You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Hello, and welcome to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show once again. This is Garrett Ashley Mullet coming to you from Greeley, Colorado. It is June 3rd, 2021. Also a Thursday, episode 70 of season 3 is here before you now. Episode 135 of the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show is for your listening pleasure about American Trucking Simulator. American Trucking Simulator is this little gem of a computer game that my son Daniel stumbled upon here recently. I don't know exactly how that came to be, if he was just watching videos on YouTube, if he was just browsing Steam and it came up as an advertisement. I don't know. I'm not sure why it is that he got interested. But my son Daniel got interested in American Trucking Simulator, downloaded the demo for it about a week ago, and started playing it. Actually, he started playing, I think it was uh, Euro Trucking simulator or some such first tried that out couldn't quite get the hang of it didn't quite like that one then downloaded american trucking simulator he liked that way better and the rest is history the rest of what he decided to do from that point is pretty obvious if we're talking about it you can probably surmise that he wanted to buy the game and he's been mowing yards here in the Neighborhood making some pretty good money with all the rain we've been getting in our part of Colorado. And so he asked, can I get this game? I said, oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, why not? Right. What's the harm in getting a game on trucking, a game about trucking? I don't. Yeah, sure. Go for it. If you want the game, why not? Occasionally I'll look over my children's shoulder if they're asking to get a game, if they're interested in a game, if they're interested in books, if they're interested in watching a movie, if they're watching a TV show, whatever. Because I try to be an informed parent who knows what my children are getting into, their friends, who they're hanging out with, who they're talking with, what their influences are. I want to know so that I can be an active parent, so that I can actively guide them, give them parental guidance as they're going through life, as they're developing, help them to navigate life's challenges and opportunities and help them to understand these things for what they are. And in the case of American Trucking Simulator, I can think of much worse uh, influences. It's like, you know, yeah, my dad was a trucker for, what, 20 years? Uh, More if you count all of the trucking that he did when he was farming all the trucking that he did when he was in his early 20s and his dad got into logging with him and his brothers and his brothers-in-law. My dad's been a trucker for most of my life at this point and I don't see anything wrong with somebody who does that for a living. If it's a good, honest living, then pat them on the back, shake their hand, thank them for their service. How else do you think the things that you buy at the store get to the store? 
how else do you think the things that come to your home when you jump on Amazon and you order something with free two-day shipping, how is it that you think that thing, that manufactured good, gets to the distribution center and then from the distribution center to your front door? Somebody has to take that thing from point A to point B. And actually, there's a lot of taking from point A to point B every step of the way. Our supply chain in this world, in the modern world, relies on planes, trains, and automobiles. So sometimes you put things on a plane, but in order to get the thing from the factory to the airport so it can be loaded onto a plane, you have to have a truck, typically. And once it gets off of the plane, you have to have another truck to take it from the airport to the distribution center or the store. Or in the case of raw materials, you've got to have a truck that's going to take the raw materials from where they're harvested or where they're refined, where they're stored, to the factory that's going to turn those raw materials into finished goods, into manufactured goods. But there's trucks every step of the way. Same with groceries. You have trucks that are hauling the grain from the field to the grain silo. You've got trucks that are hauling the grain from the grain silo on that farmer's property to the grain elevator. And from the grain elevator, it might be loaded onto a train or it might be loaded onto another truck and taken to some place where it's going to be turned into bread or pasta or what have you. It might be turned into feed, but it's going to be put on a truck to get to wherever it's going next. If it's turned into feed for cows, then how do you think the cows are transported to the slaughterhouse? They're transported via truck. How do you think that meat that has been processed and packaged is transported from the butcher or the meat processing facility to the store. It's put on a truck. All of these things, right? I'm, I'm belaboring the point. I'm going on and on and on. But trucks, semi-trucks, for people that are not in that line of work are just kind of invisible. They're just part of the scenery that we don't really pay much attention to as long as we're not getting run over by a tractor trailer. We just don't really think about it. We don't think about what goes into making the sausage that is modern life. Unless we're a part of that industry and that's our main bread and butter, that's how we bring home the bacon, metaphorically speaking, sometimes not metaphorically, sometimes literally. Unless that is part of our line of work and our vocation. We don't really think about it. And even the folks that are indirectly involved very often don't appreciate that there's more to it than jumping in, turning it on, and going. When you're dealing with a tractor trailer, the heavier the load is, the longer it takes for you to speed up and get up to speed, the longer it takes for you to slow down, the longer you've got to take to go through turns, the more on your game you've got to be when you're driving to avoid running people over, crashing into things, because it is going to take longer for you to bring all of that extra weight to a stop or to get it up to speed, to get it going. When you add long hours in all types of weather, in all kinds of lighting situations, you could have 
full daylight, but you also might be driving all night where there's not much light except for what comes from the front of your truck onto the road ahead. You also might be driving at dusk or at dawn, and you might be trying to avoid wildlife. All these things people don't necessarily appreciate as a complexity, but it is. There is a challenge to it. And then when you get into trying to maintain your truck while you're driving, you're driving and you're putting on a lot of hours and a lot of miles on a vehicle, and you don't want to do more maintenance than you need because that's a cost. It's a cost in time and in money, and it's going to slow you down. It's going to reduce your profitability. But you also can't defer maintenance too long because a critical failure is going to leave you stranded on the side of the road, or it could lead to a life-threatening accident wherein either you or someone else on the road loses their life or is seriously injured. There's a destruction of property piece to that too, which can negatively impact somebody's life. There's all these stressors and there's all these factors that go into trucking that most people just don't understand. They just don't appreciate. They don't realize that that is how those things magically appear. They don't realize that all of this goes into the mix, but it does. It's a dangerous profession. It's a difficult profession, depending on where you're operating. If you're operating on a wide open plain where there's nobody around, it's good straight roads for miles and miles, nice scenery, nobody to crash into, no inclement weather, no fatigue, then maybe it's not half bad. Maybe it's kind of a dream job. But what about when you're operating in a congested part of the country? What if you're operating in a busy city where motorists and cars and motorcycles and pedestrians jump out in front of you and slam on their brakes and slow down and speed up and cut you off and turn into your lane without thinking, without wondering how long it's going to take for you to be able to respond just based on the physics of the scenario, that is a whole nother ball of wax. All of a sudden it becomes a much more stressful vocation than people have any idea of. And then if you have an accident, you could be losing your license. If that's your way of earning a living, what do you do now? Right? That's a stressful thing. You go over your DOT hours, the number of hours you're allowed to work. If you don't keep your logbook accurately, if you fudge the books because your employer or a customer is pressuring you because they want to get this to the delivery spot on time and they don't want you to stop and take your rest. If they don't want to hire another truck driver, they want to just get more out of the truck drivers they already have. They can't afford more equipment. They don't want to maintain and service your equipment that you're driving. Those are all stressors as well. And so I grew up watching my dad drive truck at night. And I always thought that is just, that's what he does, right? That's just his work. And I knew that my dad did a, a good job, but I didn't really appreciate maybe how good of a job. He wasn't just driving truck. He was also jumping on the CB. He's got this little radio and Anybody that has any familiarity whatsoever with trucking will know that truck drivers typically outfit their trucks with a CB wherein they can communicate with each other over shortwave radio. They can 
talk and they could say, hey, there's an accident up ahead or, hey, this road is closed up ahead or you might want to avoid this or, hey, there's a highway patrolman parked around the next bend. Watch out. You might want to slow down if you're going too fast or whatever, right? They might just shoot the breeze. They might just talk about whatever. When I was in high school, I remember distinctly being very embarrassed because my dad would jump on the CB and he would get on, he would chide, he would rebuke, for lack of a better word, truck drivers that he was close enough to contact and to hear and to listen to. He'd hear them talking about women in a car that's passing them. The truck driver is driving and he's in his lane and then some pretty gal comes along and she's passing him and he's able to look down into her vehicle and he's making lewd remarks. And my dad would hear that on the CB and he would jump on as he's driving too. And he'd say, we don't talk that way in Ohio, trucker. Love your wife. Go home and love your wife. Don't talk about that woman that way. That's not respectful. Or if they're using the Lord's name in vain, they're saying Jesus Christ this and God damn that. My, my dad would jump on the CB and say, hey, we don't use the Lord's name in vain in Pennsylvania, truck driver. If somebody was being rude and crude or if they were propositioning, that happened a time or two where you're coming along a s certain stretch of road and somebody is doing the prostitution thing at the next truck stop and they're trying to get customers. So so-and-so is jumping on the CB to advertise covertly, discreetly, that there is um, a lady of the night, if you will, at the next truck stop. And my dad would jump on and push against that and say, hey, no, that's not appropriate, right? And so he would get in these political discussions, these theological discussions. He would get in these discussions of proper conduct and morals and good language that you would never imagine in that kind of a setting people are talking about or thinking about. But he would stand in the gap and try to appeal to these truck drivers and try to persuade them. And sometimes he made progress and he would get an apology. Sometimes they would just go silent. Whoever it was would just say, ah, forget it, right? It's not worth it. It's not worth the trouble. Sometimes they would jump on there and argue with him. Sometimes they would get in a discussion and there wouldn't be any evidence that he had persuaded them, but they would talk back and forth about other things. Sometimes he'd have people get really worked up and they would want him to pull over at the next stop and they were going to kick his butt, I'll put it that way. That wouldn't be the phrase they would use. But they wanted to fight and they wanted to teach him a lesson for having dared to disagree with them or disapprove of their conduct and their speech but it's interesting, my dad was just sure from the time that he started doing this in southern Ohio and the tri-state area and the whole region around Ohio that you could reach a day there and a day back because that's typically what he did. He didn't do over-the-road trucking. He would take a run from Wilmington, Ohio, for instance, down to Lexington, Kentucky, and then come back. Or he might go down to Tennessee and then come back. Or he might meet a truck driver 
halfway between Wilmington and some other further terminal than what he could reach and get back within his set DOT hours. And then he'd come back. But however far he could go from Wilmington, Ohio, and make it back in a day, that was his area of influence. And if you want to say him exchanging loads with a truck driver several states away might influence that truck driver who then goes back into that state that was farther than his direct uh, area of influence, then you could say his area of influence was that far. But he was just sure that from the time that he started doing this, started truck driving in southern Ohio, to the time that he moved away from Ohio and moved back to Montana on the encouragement of myself and my brother especially, he felt like it got better, actually. He made progress, actually. The way that truck drivers spoke to each other and talked about things, the conduct and the speech that he saw and heard changed for the better. It was reformed over that 15, 20 years. And nobody, if I didn't tell you about it, nobody would know about it. He did that quietly, behind the scenes, for the rest of the modern world to know nothing about it. He didn't make headlines. No nightly news, national news broadcasting team came and interviewed him and did a story on it. He just quietly did it because it was the right thing to do. Because why not, right? Maybe out of sheer boredom sometimes, but because it was the right thing to do and he had a conviction that that was what he should be doing and God's put him in this position for a purpose and a reason and maybe this is part of the purpose and the reason. But I was so embarrassed, right? I remember in high school, he would come home from trucking or in my early 20s, he'd come home from trucking and he'd start talking about all this and I'm just like groaning, like, oh, dad, like, can you just not do that? Like, why do you have to be so weird, right? Like, why why can't you just be like a normal dad? Like, just let it go. Why do you have to get on people about their language and lewd remarks and using the Lord's name in vain and being blasphemous and crude and gross and hostile and, right? Like, why can't you just let it go and make friends with people and be normal? That would be nice. And I didn't understand it. And then it's funny as I started having kids and my kids now, especially in Colorado, as they're interacting with neighborhood kids who use certain language sometimes, I'm having to step in and say, you know what? Let this kid know, let this boy know that you're not allowed to talk that way in our household. Not because those words are magic words that have some inherent evil, but because the attitude and the sentiment is not appropriate. That's not promoting virtuous living. That's not promoting a respectful interaction with the person that you're talking that way around. Let them know you're not allowed to talk that way. And if they keep talking that way flagrantly, on purpose, deliberately, uncaringly around you, you're not going to be allowed to hang out with them. That's just what it is. We've had a couple of scenarios wherein that has been the case. And as much as it pains me to do so, I've had to say as a dad, 
you can't hang out with that kiddo. That that boy, I'm not his parent. He's got parents, and I'm not one of them. But I am your parent, and I don't like the attitude that I'm seeing you come home with when you're around this boy. This boy's using this kind of language with abandon. And it's not respectful, and it's not appropriate, and it's not healthy to think that way and talk that way about the things that he's thinking and talking about. It's not that you don't talk about those things in any context, but the manner in which he's talking about them and the which he is insisting on continuing to talk about these things demonstrates a rebelliousness and a lawlessness and a irreverence towards God, a disrespect towards the people around him. And that's not what we're going to embody. We're not going to embrace a disrespect for the people around us and an irreverence for God above. We're going to have the fear of the Lord be our goal. Not that we always perfectly do it, but we're going to try and fear God and no one else and nothing else. And we're going to try and respect the people around us, not flatter them, not tiptoe around their sensibilities. That's not what it's about, but we're going to try and respect the people around us. We're not going to do it perfectly, but we're going to do it more perfectly if we're not dropping the F-bomb and making lewd remarks about them and calling them anatomical parts instead of their name. Like we're not we're not gonna get closer to doing what we have in mind to do if we're embracing that, we're tolerating that. And you boys especially, you're impressionable still, and when you're around it, you're gonna pick up on it, you're gonna start repeating these things. And more importantly, you're gonna start embracing this attitude. It's gonna seep into your bones. I'm not good with that. It happens to me when I'm at work, when I'm around people that are using lewd language, when they're talking about sex acts and anatomical parts and body functions in every conversation, when they have nothing better to talk about apparently than those things, and that's all they think about all the time, It has an effect on me, so I know that it has an effect on you guys, and this is just what it is. And as I've realized I needed to step in and do that with my kids, I've appreciated all the more that my dad did that thing that he did while he was truck driving. While he's truck driving, so he took on an additional challenge, almost like a missionary to truck drivers, if you will, in the region around Ohio, which is just right there in the Midwest, right? What a great spot. Maybe that's why, in part, the Lord allowed us, permitted us, orchestrated us moving to southern Ohio. Maybe that was part of his purpose for us there. doesn't mean that we did everything perfectly. doesn't mean that we're an example in all ways. But maybe that's part of why he brought us to where we were at when I was a kid. I didn't understand it at the time. Maybe I still don't understand it. But could be. Could be. So back to American Trucking Simulator. My son is playing this game and I'm watching him and he's just having a grand old time, not necessarily obeying the rules of the road and the speed limits and not necessarily ready for real world physics to the level that, to the extent that they've been built into this game. And so I'm trying to coach him. I'm trying to say, hey, you know, like maybe slow down a little bit sooner, maybe 
take that turn a little wider, you know, keep your mirrors, check your mirrors. You need to keep checking your mirrors, you know, things like that. Hey, watch that guy ahead. Looks like he's happy to slam on his brakes unnecessarily and he's changing lanes often. Watch him, you know, either slow down and let him get as far on the road ahead of you as he's going to before he makes a turn and parts ways or when there's an opportunity to pass, pass that guy. Get out ahead of him to where you're not having to be in his proximity because he's a wild card. You're going to get in an accident. It's going to cost you. I'm doing that, and then all of a sudden I said, you know what, I'm just going to get the game. It's not that expensive. It was on sale over Memorial Day weekend. And this is not a new game, by the way. This apparently has been out since 2016. Release date was February 2nd, 2016. There's a whole lot of DLC. It looks like there's more on the way, probably in part because of the renewed interest. But according to steampower.com, the listing for this game there, the developer and publisher is SCS Software, and the recent reviews and all reviews are overwhelmingly positive. That's pretty unusual. That's not typical. Sometimes you get mostly positive. Sometimes you get positive, very positive, whatever. Overwhelmingly positive tells you something. Out of 64,346 reviews total, the result, the consensus is overwhelmingly positive. But I'll just read for you a little bit about the game here. The summary on Steam says, Experience legendary American trucks and deliver various cargoes across sunny California, Sandy, Nevada, and the Grand Canyon state of Arizona. American Truck Simulator takes you on a journey through the breathtaking landscapes and widely recognized landmarks around the United States. If I scroll down here a little bit, some of the reviews, we got an 8 out of 10 from PC Gamer. PC Gamer said it's a fundamentally good game with weighty, nuanced handling, a deep simulation, and higher production values than most Sims. Destructoid gave it an 8.5 out of 10 and said, Listening to Eric Clapton's Wonderful Tonight while driving a big rig at night into Las Vegas is something that will stick with me probably forever. Forbes magazine actually did a review. They gave it an 8.5 out of 10 as well. I didn't know that Forbes did reviews for computer games, but okay. Quote, I'm impressed with the amount of detail and beauty that's been injected into these virtual environments, end quote. So that's neat, right? Like that's cool. Not 10 out of 10. Nothing gets a 10 out of 10. But as far as what it is, it has a pretty good high rating. And so what I've been doing here recently, since I got the game, several days ago, is I'm playing, I'm trying to take these long runs, I am doing the the over-the-road trucking thing, and I just, yesterday morning before I went to work, I just bought my first truck. I'm level 9, and you get experience, and you build experience, and you gain levels, and then you can upgrade certain things, and learn certain things to advance your repertoire, and expand your capabilities as you go. But I'm level nine. I've got a Mack truck. It's dark gray. Actually, it reminds me a lot of my cousin Brent's Hydrovac truck. He had a Hydrovac truck with a Mack um, tractor pulling it. But 
I've got one of those and I've got all the things that can be chromed out at this point. They are chromed out and I souped up the engine. So I've got a 450 horsepower engine, which is the biggest that I can get at the level that I'm at. I'm going to have to continue leveling up and get more cash and, and do all of that kind of stuff in order to get anything beefier than what I have. But even so, I did my first run, most of my first run. Haven't finished it just yet. I'm down to the last 200 miles uh, as of last night before we went to bed. But I'm just about to finish my first run from Colorado Springs to Spokane, Washington, hauling buoys. I don't know why I've got these giant buoys that need to be taken via truck. I would imagine uh, in real life you would put those on a train, but maybe not. Maybe I'm mistaken. But I am making a ridiculous amount of money, making $45,000 to take these buoys from Colorado Springs to Spokane, Washington. And put aside for a moment whether you could actually make that much money hauling buoys from that point to that point. Let's not worry our pretty little heads about such details. The point is, I can in the game, so I am. I don't know if that's at all real world. I'm sure it's not. But it's still fun, right? It's probably like $4,500 that you could actually make, I would bet. Probably not 45000 maybe 4500 and they're just speeding things up. Now, the map of the country is pretty much just the western half. And they're adding states, and there's been announcements that they're going to add Wyoming and Texas to the game. So that's fun. They haven't added them just yet, but they're in development. Maybe this game has recently been rediscovered. After five years, people are getting into it, and so they'll build out more and more content. Maybe they'll fill out the entire uh, United States before it's done. That would be cool. That would be exciting. But in the meantime, it looks like what you can do, and I've, I've read none of the reviews except for these little snippet quotes that I just read for you, but what you can do is you start out the game, you're driving truck for somebody else, and then you save up your money, and then before you know it, you've got enough money to buy your own tractor trailer. You buy your own rig, your own truck, and your own trailer. You get those decked out, and you can select different makes and models, and you can modify them, and you can get them upgraded to where they have certain special you know, attributes, and they'll be better for certain purposes. If that's what you want to do with it, then now it's really good for that. And you can be strategic about it in that way. And then you start driving for yourself. You've got your own trucking company. I'm based out of Sterling, Colorado, which is fun. And as you go along, it looks like, to me, as I'm just feeling out the game, exploring it, it looks like I can upgrade my home base uh, garage. I can get it souped up to where it's got room for multiple trucks. And then I can buy multiple trucks and trailers. And then at a certain point, I'll be able to hire other truck drivers, which is kind of fun. So then presumably you can have other truck drivers working for you. You're driving truck. You've got employees who are also driving your trucks. And all of them together, all of you together, you and the AI, are all making money. And you're building and building and building and building. And before you know it, you've got your own trucking company 
that's going out all over the country, at least as far as they've got it developed at this point. Now, again, as I mentioned in yesterday's episode, I think it was yesterday, maybe it was the day before, I was talking a little bit about this. Maybe it was two days ago. It was uh, the Island at the Center of the World episode, June 1st. But as I was mentioning recently, it's not as though I want my sons to grow up to be truck drivers, to grow up aspiring to be truck drivers. And the reason for that is not because I'm embarrassed of truck driving. It's because I grew up hearing my dad not particularly love driving truck. He wanted to do something else. And he was always saying, you know, I should really do something else. I should really get out of this truck and go find something better to do. And he didn't end up doing something else. He ended up just sticking with the truck driving thing because he could make the most money there. He had the best experience, the most experience doing that, and he was good at it. So he didn't do something different. And it's funny, I was talking with my brother about this new house he's having built, he and his wife are having built in Milliken, and they're going to be signing for that house, the loan on it, getting the keys, June 24th, God willing. And we'll help them move in, me and my boys. We'll help them get everything into the new house from the old house that they're taking with them. But our dad is going to move down from Glendive, Montana, and he's going to be renting my brother's house from him. So he'll be living here in Evans, which will be very different. That'll be a big change and that'll be neat. But he's going to be renting and he'll be living in the area and we'll get to have him be a part of our lives again after about two years now, almost two years of living in Colorado and being distant and just, you know, occasional visits now and then. And my brother and I, we were talking a little bit about this American Trucking Simulator and he was saying, he's, you know, he's seeing all these live streams. I guess this game is just blowing up here recently. People are jumping on and doing live stream events and making a big to-do about it. And they're decorating their bedrooms and their offices like the inside cab of a, you know, tractor trailer, uh, a truck. And, uh, and they're, you know, just really getting into it. Super in character, very excited to, to play it, this as a game. And it's fun, right? It's fun and it's funny and and all that. And we're trying to imagine, and we don't have a hard time imagining what the response from our dad is going to be when he sees Daniel or Eli or Josiah or Solomon showing him their game. Hey, check this out, Grandpa. Look at this. I got this truck and I do these runs. And look, I'm going to go from here to here. And I got this all souped up. Then I got that. Da, 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 da. Our guess is that his jaw is going to drop. His eyes are going to go wide. He's going to get a big smile on his face. And he's going to shake his head. And he's going to say, oh, wow. I never would have thought that all these years of truck driving and pounding down the road and Sleepless nights and stress and all that, you know, I would I never would have thought people would play this as a game and think it was fun. What a time to be alive. You know, something to that effect. But it is a funny thing, right? It, it is a funny thing how time passes and we come to romanticize to some extent things that in their time, when they're in their full swing people likely wouldn't have imagined having romanticized 
take fur trapping, for instance. You know, I just recently read The Island at the Center of the World, and I did a podcast episode about that book here two days ago, Russell Shorto's book. And one of the prominent things at that point in American history, early American history, was fur trapping. And that was one of the big things that Vanderdonk, Adrian Vanderdonk, who you might credit with the whole idea of there being an attorney general in American government, in American politics, Adrian Vanderdonk, he goes back to the Netherlands, he goes back to The Hague, and he's trying to appeal to the Dutch government to afford greater uh, governing powers to the common people in New Amsterdam, in the New Netherlands, in what is now New York and New York City and the island of Manhattan. He's trying to appeal to them. And one of the ways that he tries to appeal to them is bringing trade goods back, as if to say, like, here, like, this is what is coming from this colony that you maybe don't think about and you maybe have forgotten about. It's out of sight, out of mind. You see the money rolling in from this, but you don't necessarily think of this as a real-world thing. It's not real to you yet. So I'm going to bring a beaver pelt, and it's going to have all the smell of the forest still in it. We're not going to clean it up. We're just going to have the raw thing so that you have this visceral realization that this is part of the world, that this is part of your world, that this is something in your sphere that you need to do something about, and you need to maybe give greater importance, assign greater importance and priority to than you have been. And so you think about that, right? Think about that beaver pelt, and you think about fur trappers and these mountain men that really pushed the boundaries of the map of the known world here in what is now the United States. They went out beyond where everybody else was to where the game was plentiful, And they contended with Indians, they contended with wildlife, they contended with weather, they contended with supply issues and injuries and being isolated and all these things to get pelts and to bring them back, to sell them. And that was their job. Was it a glamorous job? We romanticize it in hindsight, but was it it this romantic thing in the moment? No. I would I would say no, right? When you're running for your life from a hunting party of hostile Indians that don't want you trapping in their part of the world, that's not so romantic. Now, if you get away, maybe you laugh about it around the fire with your friends over a beer down the road, but in the moment, that is not such a romantic thing. When you're facing down a bear who also wants that beaver that you trapped and you're going to have to fight for it or else just give the bear what it wants or else fight for your life because now the bear, he thought he wanted the beaver, now he wants you. You know, is that a romantic moment in someone's life? No, especially if you get mauled by the bear. That's not so romantic. But even if you get away, in the moment, you have time for terror and survival. You don't have time to romanticize it. And yet, two, three hundred years on, we look back on the fur trappers and these mountain men and these guys that were wearing deer skin 
and carrying muskets and roaming around the mountains and the woodlands of the United States before settlers, before civilization had reached those parts. We look at those men with a romantic kind of longing to be in their shoes. And it's funny to me that American Trucking Simulator, it's not 200, 300 years removed, and yet there's a similar dynamic, I think, at work here. I, I wonder, I, I have my doubts as to how many truck drivers are playing American Trucking Simulator for fun. They go to work, they pound the pavement, they pound the asphalt, they get those miles in, they get home, they're resting, they want to jump on and play American Trucking Simulator. I don't think so. I think they had scratched that itch. They check that box, and they are going to do something else with their free time. But why not others? You know, if it teaches us a little bit of logistics, if this is some good driver safety, then I'm all for getting some steering wheels and some pedals and having my boys play it. And if it teaches them maybe some good business concepts, hey, you got to keep your Revenue as high as possible relative to your expenses. Keep your expenses low. That's how you make money. That's how you save up enough money to get more and better equipment, to hire people, to expand your operations. Keep your expenses low as possible. Keep your revenue as high as possible. And over time, as you're making strategic investments, you'll grow your business, right? That's a good thing to learn, whether you're talking about trucking or you're talking about anything, if they get into farming, if they get into opening up a little shop, you know, if Eli starts a bike repair shop or an electronics shop, if Solomon goes into uh, being an artist, a full-time artist, and he's got a gallery and he's going to sell his works to the public, that's a good thing for him to learn. If Josiah goes into being a, a biologist and having a, a YouTube channel or writing books, or whatever, it's going to be good for him to understand logistics, and dollars and cents, and money coming in, and money going out, and point A, point B, thinking, practical thinking like this. It's not the only influence I want to have in their lives, but it is a good influence to have in their lives. If they do Farming Simulator too, great, and they do, by the way. If they do American Trucking Simulator, and then, and then Grandpa comes along, and he's like, hey, what are you playing there? Oh, it's this thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's pretty realistic. Try this, 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 and this. That's what I used to do. You know, that could be a great moment for them to talk and bond and appreciate that this is how this is how their grandpa put food on the table. And that's honorable. There's an honor and dignity in that that we should celebrate. And we should maybe... Uh, honor with a game like this. I think it's I think it's cool. I think it's funny. I think my dad's gonna flip out at how funny it is, possibly. Uh, but I think it's neat, and uh, I'm having fun with it. We'll see how far I get. I've noticed with my Mack truck that I just bought. Now that I'm not driving other people's equipment, I've got my own equipment, and I got a souped-up engine and all of that. It is really zippy, and it speeds up really quick. And it's got really, really good brakes. So now I'm having to readjust, recalibrate my response times because it's like, oh, shoot, I'm, you know, I'm over the speed limit again. Oh, I'm again and again and again. 
I'm getting up to speed a lot quicker, so that's helpful in getting loads to turn and burn so I can make, uh, you know, maximize my revenue capabilities. That's good. But uh, anyway, the struggle continues. But for now, I got to run. As always, thank you for listening. Stay safe out there. Keep your stick on the ice. Stay frosty. Keep it between the lines. Till next time, God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com. Thank you.